Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. The FBI is in a crucial position to stop high-tech criminals to protect the American public. The importance of technology at the agency powers its ability to build better and faster networks, tools, and systems that enhance the ability to collect, store, analyze, and share information. CIO Gordon Bidco was appointed to his role in 2016, but has been at the agency since 2007 overseeing various modernization initiatives. He brings to the agency a background from the private sector and discusses FBI's continuous efforts of using modern technology to protect our nation. Gordon, thank you for joining us on GovCast. It's nice to have you. Thank you for inviting me, Amy. What brought you to your current role? Were you always interested in public service? I've been at the FBI for about 12 years now. Before that, I was in the private sector for, the, for, for a decent amount of time as well, but I was always interested in public service. After 9-11 happened, I started thinking about other opportunities and other priorities, and one thing led to another, and I ended up at the FBI, and I've been given opportunities ever since to grow and develop and be challenged, and, and the mission continues to keep me challenged and fulfilled, so I've stayed and, like I said, been given opportunities all along. Your background in marketing and mechanical engineering, I wouldn't expect you to have come to the FBI. So I guess it's that sense of purpose that that really brought you to the position. How is the FBI leveraging new and emerging technology to execute its mission? So the use of new technologies is a constant challenge for the FBI. The pace that threats move at is accelerating and they're always using new technologies. Within the government, within the FBI, we have lots of constraints as well. And so it's a challenge to figure out how do we keep up with those technologies. By constraints, I mean things like we have to always be worried about the privacy implications of any technology that we use. We have to be worried about, in a lot of these cases, the technology is just ahead of what the law allows. And it's not necessarily clear that we can use a new technology in the way that we would want to. That's what I spend a significant amount of my time thinking about and worrying about and trying to figure out how can we as an organization deal with those issues. Has your background in the engineering or marketing space informed at all this current space at the FBI? Without a doubt. One of the most important things for me in my role is the ability to translate a lot of the technologies and technology challenges to operations and missions of the FBI. The Bureau has a lot of really smart, capable folks across the organization, agents, analysts, professional staff, but not everybody comes in with a technology background. So being able to provide that translation to be able to explain why new technologies are important, why some of them are gonna affect our capabilities, that's served an invaluable role for me, an invaluable part of my ability to do my job. What is the importance of technology in the data side of things in your role? I think that data is is a part, uh, technology is a part of the solution when it comes to data. We have to worry when it comes to data, and we have an enterprise data strategy about people and their capabilities. How are we select recruiting the right folks? How are we training them? How are we retaining them to ensure that once we've made investments in them that they can then contribute? We have to worry about the processes. Those are really important for us as well. One of the, one of the real challenges for us when I say process is we collect so many different types of data under so many different legal authorities and legal constraints. Technology is, is a part of the solution to those things, but unless we understand those processes and those different constraints and we develop the workforce, it's not in and of itself enough. But that being said, technology is essential for us as well. One of the examples that I like to give is in the Boston bombing in 2012, we collected somewhere on the order of uh, 50 terabytes of data. At the time, that was an overwhelming amount of information for us. 
we dealt with it by sending hundreds of people to look at the data. The Las Vegas shooting, five years on, roughly speaking, we collected a petabyte of data. So that's the, so that's the pace of, of growth of the amount of data that we have. Those are outlier cases, but the, the run-of-the-mill case, the ordinary investigation, doesn't, it doesn't lag that by too much. So we, we can't, in the run-of-the-mill investigation, send hundreds of people to review all of the data. It's just it's not practical. There's way too many investigations going on, and, and we have nowhere near enough people to do that. So we absolutely need technology to assist as we build better processes, as we train the workforce, in order to help us deal with just that scale. Is this a, an area where you see things like emerging technology being able to help? 100%. It is, though, unfortunately, an area where a lot of the technologies are ahead of where the law clearly allows things to be done. So there's been a lot of public debate about the use of a variety of artificial intelligence-based tools for law enforcement. That's a perfect example. The, we cannot solve the volume of data problem by people. We need technologies. And in the video analytic facial recognition space, a lot of the work that's gone on in the technology community and, and industry is, is around the use of artificial intelligence. We've got to figure out how to use that, but we also have to understand that there are a lot of implications to that for privacy, for how do we use those things ethically? How do we take advantage of those technologies in a way that is consistent with the expectations for law enforcement? That's a, a very popular topic of discussion right now and one that we are, are trying to contribute to the discussion and, and balance all of those concerns at the same time. We need the technology, but we need to do it in a way that upholds the Bureau's mission, which is to protect the Constitution as well. What are some of the unique challenges about the FBI systems compared to other agencies like the Defense Department or DHS, et cetera? I think every agency is unique. Uh, we all have different authorities, uh, but, but the FBI in particular is faced with the challenge that we have missions across such a wide range of, of areas. We are a, an active member of the intelligence community, which means that we partner with components of the Department of Defense and Homeland Security who are also parts of the intelligence community. But we're also the leading law enforcement agency, which means that we have to work with the Department of Justice and all of the state and local law enforcement agencies as well. So that breadth and then the breadth of different types of investigations that we have to conduct as a result of that is, I think, one of the underlying challenges. And that makes us somewhat unique from other agencies. The result of that and, and one of the challenges for us then operationally is that every field office has to have the capability to deal with all of those violations, all of those range of threats that we, we face. That means that every field office needs a whole host of technical capabilities to support all of those things because the requirements to do an investigation are not the same. They do vary depending on what the, what the threat is and what the nature of the, of the actors are who, who, we're, who we're dealing with. That is a, an additional challenge for us. We're not able to say the New York office only does these things and the Boston office only does those things. Boston and New York both need to be able to do, to do everything, and so do the other 54 field offices. What IT modernization efforts have been progressing at the FBI? We're constantly looking to do modernization of our IT. I would say, though, that the biggest thing in the, in the current focus for us is migration to the cloud. We're doing that not blindly. We're not moving everything to the cloud, but we've moved a number of applications and we continue to move more. It really does give us the ability to be a lot more agile. The cloud providers, the commercial providers, are capable across the board to move at speeds beyond what the government is, just as a, as a general observation. And it's nothing against the technical capabilities of all the government workforce because they're incredible. But the cloud providers are so focused on moving at speed, we're looking to take advantage of that where we can to say that we're going to focus on the unique mission aspects, the 
types of data that we collect that are different from from what would happen in the commercial arena. But we can leverage those capabilities that the cloud providers are building, are making available to help us move a lot faster, to deploy capabilities to our users, to our agents and analysts a lot faster than we would have before. What does it mean to be more agile for our public safety? I think the best way to think about that is, is again, the threats change really fast. And in the old school way of doing things, the traditional bureau way of doing IT development, but lots of other government agencies and big organizations was a waterfall model where you would come up with thousands of requirements and it would take years to build and deliver and test and verify. And by the time you did, if it even did work, it was too late. It didn't deliver <laughs> right. what, the, what the end users needed. The goal in being more agile is to, is to be delivering continuous improvements, to be constantly, to be setting the expectation to our application delivery teams that they're going to be deploying new capabilities all the time. And it's not going to be once a year or once every other year, we're going to roll out a big new release with lots of features. It's going to be on an ongoing basis and, and as well, leveraging shared capabilities, shared services that allow other people who are closer to the mission need to build on top of those. We don't need everything to be an enterprise application. We need those things to comply with standards for the enterprise, but we don't need the enterprise to build every little thing for, for every specific use. And so if we enable that, we have, again, a really smart, capable workforce. They're chomping at the bit to, to build tools specific for their needs. What is the FBI doing to collect and leverage data to execute its mission and inform future work? Really paint the picture of what the amount of data that you deal with looks like well so like i said earlier in the in the las vegas shooting it was something on the order of a petabyte of data and and that's just the world that we live in you can't go anywhere without there being surveillance cameras people carrying their cell phones taking pictures or shooting videos and when that happens in public it's a large amount of data you add to that that everybody's on social media they're posting they're tweeting they're on instagram they're on snapchat uh, you know it goes on and on and there's a new social media platform it seems like almost every week all of those present challenges to us, but they all increase the volumes of data exponentially. And really a big part of the challenge for us then is how do we filter through that and find the things that are useful and relevant to enable an agent or an analyst to, to make a connection. We do have an enterprise data strategy that's focused on trying to do that, on trying to help us standardize and structure some of that data in better ways, because that is one of the challenges with all the different sources of data that we have. We get data from somebody, we serve them with a, with a subpoena and they present data back and it comes in a million different formats. There's no standards for the way that the world shares that information with, with government. There, there are of course lots of standards for how data is tagged and shared across industry, but, but in the providing of it back to government, there's not a consistent way. And so we need to figure out how to do that better ourselves when we collect that data in different formats. How do we tag it? How do we standardize the way that we collect it and analyze it for our, for our workforce? With the FBI's data efforts, what role does industry have in this? Industry is an absolutely vital partner for us. A lot of what we do is dependent on working closely with industries across the board. People who deliver tools and capabilities, people who, who manage social media platforms and collect data, people who are creating new capabilities. We need to be working as close as we can with them across the board on, on all of those dimensions. It's the only way that we really can hope to accelerate some of our progress. Without that, we're, we're always trying to do things where there's something new happening that it's going to be a challenge for us to understand and keep up with. So we really need to work closely with industry. The other piece of it that's really important to us from the industry partnership standpoint, though, is working with them so that they understand what some of the threats are as well. 
because of the nature of the FBI's authorities, not only are we collecting all this data, but we are also the lead domestic agency for cyber intrusions. And so when many of these companies, unfortunately, who have advanced technologies are also targets, and it's, uh, it's an important opportunity for that to be a two-way discussion. We want to understand how do we use their technologies, but also how do we help them understand the threats and to protect themselves. Now, going back into the security concerns a little bit, how have privacy and security concerns related to collecting and hosting sensitive data changed in recent years? What is the FBI doing in terms of data governance and security to address this? So I would go back to the to the mission of the FBI, which is to serve to protect the American people and to uphold the Constitution. So privacy has certainly become an increasingly important aspect of that in, in recent years. The high profile breaches that have happened across a wide range of, of organizations, government and private sector, they've really emphasized the importance of that for us. We don't deploy any system without going through a privacy assessment. If there is any sensitive data, any any PII. We go through a review and we discuss in, in, in detail and I sign off on that at my level. I don't delegate that down. And then it has to go to the Department of Justice as well for their concurrence. We go through a process there where we look at what that information is. What are the risks to that information? How could it be used? Is there a possibility for it to be misused and how do we control that and minimize that? And that covers a whole host of things from ensuring that the data are appropriately segmented and only people who should have access to it do have access to it. And I think that's a really important thing, Amy, to talk about for a second, which is that we try to share as much as we can when and where we can. That's an, imp an important part of the FBI's mission to make sure that people should have access to data when they should, that they do have access to it. But at the same time, there is certainly sensitive data that not everybody should, needs to have access to or should have access to. And so we spend a lot of time making sure that those data and those systems are controlled appropriately so that people who should not have access don't have access. It is a really hard problem. The organization is very fluid. The nature of the information is dynamic over time. So we might start an investigation and it looks like in the initial leads and the initial investigation that it's an ordinary gang or violent crime investigation. The way we work a gang investigation most of the time is those are, those are not restricted. The information is available and any analyst or agent has the ability in a search to see that information. If they, if they run a search query and it comes back with information from that investigation, they'll have access to it. But what happens if three months down the road in the course of that investigation, we realize that there's actually a public corruption aspect to that investigation. It's not just about a gang. Well, then the public corruption investigation is obviously much more sensitive. It's treated in a much more restricted fashion. We really narrow down who can have access to it to only the very specific people who are working that investigation. You need to be able to go back and tag all the data that previously was treated as open that anybody could access and say now only people who are working that public corruption investigation should be able to access it. So we spend a lot of time and effort trying to do that. It's very complicated because we have so many different legal authorities which have different rules about who can access the data and for what purposes. For example, we can collect under the right legal authorities taxpayer information, but again, it's very restricted. We can collect HIPAA protected information or during a healthcare investigation. Again, it's very restricted. If the case goes to a grand jury, the information that's presented to the grand jury is very restricted and who can see it and access it. And again, all of those, we have to figure out how to put in place the right rules. So we invest a lot of time and effort in that. Going forward, a big part of the focus is how do we automate those things better and smarter so that we can with the volume of data, still understand that that information needs to be managed appropriately, but also be made available. And again, there's just so much of it, we can't do it all manually anymore. So it really comes down to, can we enable 
the computers, the machines, as data is collected to tag information in ways that it can be managed appropriately. Is technology ever hindered with all these restrictions that are put in place? There are absolutely things that we, we make a risk assessment all the time, trying to balance security and privacy and operational needs of the mission. And there are absolutely times where we will say, technically we can do something, but we don't think we can do it. It's either clearly not allowed under the statutory authorities, or we just make a decision that the risk to the data that's being collected to the people who are impacted by it, citizens whose PII might be exposed, we're just not gonna allow that to be shared more broadly. So we, we absolutely have times where we have to make that decision. And you touched on the workforce a little bit earlier. How important is it to have a data literate workforce? One of the core focus points of our data strategy is how do we continue to raise the bar, raise the level of, of the workforce. It is uh, one of those things too where it's a perpetual challenge. The base level of sophistication around data today is a lot more than it was a few years ago. And I imagine in a few years, it will have grown to a higher level. So we've got to continue to invest in the workforce. We've got to continue to find ways to recruit people from the right backgrounds who have the right experiences to figure out how to give them the right opportunities internally within the FBI so that they can continue to, to develop their skills, to continue to be motivated by the mission, but to continue to be exposed to the newer capabilities, the newer technologies that are, that are always being developed. Has changes in technology trends over the past, let's say decade, has that informed any changes to how the FBI recruits, especially related to data? So we are certainly trying to take advantage of, of technology platforms to do that. We've done job postings on social media platforms like LinkedIn and places like that where we know that people who are more tech savvy are likely to be active and, and looking. We've started recently to try to build through some of our internship programs and other things, more direct connections to schools that have programs that are focused on some of these issues across a, a broader range of technologies, so data savviness, cyber intrusion capabilities. And then we've started some programs lately that we're, we're evaluating because these are, it's, it's quite hard to do, but we're evaluating, are we able to test our workforce data aptitude? You might or might not have a degree, but it turns out that lots of people who've got great skills don't have a degree in computer science or statistics or things like that, and, and we can take them and develop them but we've got to find the right ways to screen those folks. It's, it's very expensive to train people. So we've, we, we want to see if we can come up with some tools and ways to identify aptitude, select those people, focus them on being trained and developed as part of the data workforce. But that being said, the goal really is absolutely much more data sophistication across the workforce as a whole. That's a generational sort of change. I guess that's good news for my generation. <laughs> what advice do you have for other federal stakeholders looking to modernize and improve the processes and execution through technology? A couple of pieces of advice that are that are important. One, one is to understand that these are not quick things. They can't be fixed. There is no magic bullet. And unfortunately, we at the federal level are all faced with FITARA and scorecards and reports. And there's a good reason for having those. I certainly understand that. But there is sometimes a challenge between balancing doing well on those things with moving quickly and figuring that out is, is a really important thing. So that, that's an absolutely important thing for CIOs or CTOs or other IT leaders in government. But I think the other thing that's more probably more important, and I think most people know this in the technology side now, is to, to be partnered as closely as you can with the mission 
to understand what their needs are and to be working with them. The traditional model of you have IT as a thing on one side, it's a support entity, and you have mission folks on, an, on the other side doing their own thing, doesn't really work. The mission side folks will build the technologies that they need separately from what the enterprise is doing. And then you end up in a more difficult, harder environment. You have more tools that don't work well together because everybody's built them in their silos. You have to overcome that by working much more closely with the mission, by embedding the mission into the delivery of enterprise services, by having the IT folks understand the mission and work well enough with the mission to, to close that gap. Now, you've been in your role as CIO since 2016, although mm -hmm. your roles at the FBI spanned mm -hmm. way before that. Where do you see yourself next? <laughs> and I know you said, you know, what brought you to the FBI was that sense of purpose, especially with 9-11. Do you see yourself ever evolving from that? One of the things that I tell folks who come to me for career advice uh, all the time is when you're not being challenged, it's time to look for other work to do because you're not growing and developing. And for me, that's an important thing, not, not, not just as guidance to people who come to me asking for it, but for myself as well. I'm still challenged in this job right now, so I'm not worried about looking for other things or moving on. At some point, I would envision that the that the challenges won't be the same as they are, and I'll look for something else to do. But I, I'm not doing that today because there are so many challenges. There's things we haven't even touched on that I spend a lot of time learning about and understanding their impact to the organization. And those continue to excite me and fulfill me. And I wake up in the morning struggling with how we're going to solve a new problem. And for me, that's that's more than enough to keep me going. With all the problems in the world, there's enough to keep that going. There is, an, there is unfortunately an unending stream of threats and challenges out there. And the bad actors are increasingly tech savvy, increasingly dependent on technology, increasingly using technology that affects, I think, every mission in the FBI. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I loved your perspective and I um, hope to watch from afar all the progress that the FBI is making with its IT systems and, of course, fulfilling its mission for protecting the nation. So thank you. Great. Thank you again for having me. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. GovCast is produced and hosted by Amy Kluber. Edited by Chris Edwards. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.